today's talk is living in the mystery. And really, aren't we doing that? Someone said, life is not a problem to be solved, but a mystery to be lived. And I don't even remember who said that. I think it was Kierkegaard. Anyway, doesn't matter. Now I said it. <laughs> and I like that. Really, because no matter how long we live, right, there will always be things uh, that we don't have answers for, right? That just will remain mysteries our whole lives. I remember when I was younger, oh, I'm so stupid. I remember when I was younger and I thought, you know, science is going to eventually explain it all to me. And I thought it was going to explain it all to me in my lifetime. <laughs> you know, you know how that goes. <laughs> and, and, you know, recently, because I was working on this talk, I Googled that. Really interesting. Will science answer all of our questions about life? And Google, the answer came back, yes. <laughs> and I went, go on. <laughs> I want to know what it said, right? No, it doesn't really have the answers to everything. Ernest Holmes said this. He, this is in Creative Living. He said, we have a mind, and we are surrounded by and immersed in an infinite intelligence. This is simple enough. We think, and thought is a force definitely directed. There's no mystery about this. Anyone can understand it. Intelligent thought is directed energy. That's it. What makes it so? No one knows. <laughs> See, that's the mystery. That was the mystery that Ernest Holmes acknowledged, right? Science may explain how everything works. Science may explain that things work. But why? Right? But why? Maybe not so much in the why. Sometimes we just have to experience something. You know, and what does it really mean to have an experience? Frank, Frank Jackson, uh, had a famous thought experiment. I don't know if you're familiar with it, called Mary's Room. Have you ever heard? Okay, yeah, somebody has. So Mary's Room is about the color red, right? The thought experiment goes, Mary is in a black and white room, and that's all she knows, and that's all she can see, and there's nothing else in her environment but black and white. And she is... She, is, uh, she has in her availability to read everything about red. She can read about it, she can Google it, she can research it, she knows where it is on the light spectrum. She can absolutely understand intellectually everything about red, but she's never, ever, ever experienced it. And so then they provide her with the color red. And in this thought experiment, they want to know did Mary learn anything new about the world? And really, uh, Jackson's answer was no, she didn't really learn anything new about the world, but she learned something new about herself. And so that's contemplating life's mysteries to me. It didn't change the world at all, but it changed her understanding of it in her own mind. We may not get the answers to our mysteries, but we learn something new about ourselves when we contemplate them. Mysteries enable us to learn something about ourselves, even if we never learn, or even if we never solve the mystery. 
Ernest Holmes said we must never deviate from two fundamental propositions of the ages: that the universe is impelled by love and propelled by law. These are the two great realities, and their action and reaction constitute the mystery of the universe in which we live. So we can learn the principles. We can align with the principles. We can use the principles. Can we know for sure why the principles even exist? I don't know. But if you read the four, first four chapters of the Science of Mind uh, uh, textbook, it says the thing itself, the way it works, what it does, and how to use it. Doesn't say why. <laughs> Right? Doesn't say why. This is the mystery. Life itself is the mystery. It refers to God, Spirit, first cause, the creative energy of the universe, whatever you want to call it. Bob, you know, I like Bob sometimes when I'm really familiar with God. When we're on a first name basis, I like Bob. Anyway, we cannot know it in its entirety. It's it's spirit. It's all there is. It's It is unknowable, and we do our best, right? But once we define it, we limit it, and we know spirit is limitless. You know, we we say spirit is imminent and transcendent, both, which means it is immersed in the physical in the entire universe, and yet it is beyond that as well. It is both and, and we just love that <laughs> as religious science. We love both and. Right? We contemplate spirit. We meditate on it. We gaze upon it, and it's like looking at the universe through a pinhole camera. We can only know our little teeny tiny bit of it, and it's just immense. It is just the it is the unknowable truth of our lives, and we make decisions based on what we believe to be true of the divine, don't we? Right, it, well, the God of our understanding. I love that phrase. I don't know who thought it up. Was that friends of Bill? Was was that his phrase? I think the God of our understanding, and how wonderful that is. Because as we grow, as we evolve, our understanding of God evolves as well. And so then we make decisions in our own lives based on that, based on our current understanding of the divine. You know, I used to think. I used to think the ancient people were very, very content to sit in the mystery, right? They would sit around the the fire, they would chat, and they would talk, and they were just perfectly content, satisfied, not knowing. But I'm not really sure about that anymore, you know, because while they were sitting around the fireplace chatting, they were making up stories, weren't they? They were making up stories, and and a lot of times it, they were making up stories about the divine. They were making up stories about God. What we didn't know, we make up. And don't we still do that, really, to this day? Oh my God, we all are graduates. We have graduate degrees in MSU, right? Making stuff up. <laughs> all of us. We just do that all the time. If we don't know, we just we piece together stuff. You know, we fill in the blanks. But this is how we got gods and goddesses, didn't we? To explain. Natural phenomenon that we just did not know the scientific evidence behind. We didn't have the information for. We were ancient people. So Apollo is f- driving his flaming chariot across the sky, and that's the sun, right? The sunrise and sunset. And Demeter would visit her daughter Persephone every fall, 
And that's how fall and winter would descend upon the earth because she was no longer there. She was in the underworld. But yet, when science explained these things to us, we didn't need that mythology anymore. We didn't need the mythologies of made-up stories anymore. Ernest Holmes said, "Experience has taught us that the subjective tendency toward this intelligent law of creative force may be consciously directed and definitely used. This is the greatest discovery of all time." There is no mystery here, but a profound and demonstrable fact. The road to freedom lies not through mysteries or occult performances, but through the intelligent use of nature's forces and laws. The law of mind is a natural law in a spiritual world, and that's our practice, isn't it? The practice of the science of mind and spirit is a natural law in the spiritual world in which we live. We align with a power and presence that has been here forever, right? Always has been, always will be. Energy always has been, always will be. It only changes, right? It never. We can't add to it. We can't subtract from it. It has always existed. All it does is change form. This is the practice of the science of mind and spirit. We understand the aspects of the divine. Love points the way. Law makes the way possible. Right? Love is the seed, the thought, the the driving force behind our lives. And we take those divine ideals or personal ideas and we put them into a, a subjective medium that responds to us. That is the law. It goes to work out picturing what we've put into it on purpose, with emotion, fully committed, and the law makes the way possible. It goes, it goes on out picturing our most predominant thoughts with just monotonous regularity, and we get what we get. We understand that as we use these principles, as we align with them, they flow through us into form around us. We understand. That as we bring ourselves into alignment with these natural laws in the spiritual world, that they flow through us and they change conditions around us. We are not bystanders in our lives. We are the cause of our own effects. And the better we become aligned with truth, the more effective we are in our own lives. Ernest Holmes said, "Herein lies the mystery of life." He was not really into mystery. He thought he had explained it very well. But every once in a while, he does talk about it. He said, "Herein is the mystery of life. You and I are intelligent centers using the creative word for that which we will, constructively or destructively." And that creative word, which we use, becomes law unto the thing, whereunto it is sent, and becomes the concept behind it, and projects the thing, creating it in our life. Right? Love points the way. Law makes the way possible. Hmm. And going back to paradox, just one more time <laughs> this month, I would say. I believe that this is our greatest strength and our greatest fear. Right? 
that we are powerful beyond measure, like Marianne Williamson said, that we are the word in our own lives. Oh my God. <laughs> oh crap. <laughs> I'm as powerful as that? I am as powerful as that? I am as powerful as Ernest Holmes says I am? <laughs> and the Bible says I am? Right? Behold, I set before you this day both a blessing and a curse. Hmm, hello. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord, which I command you this day, and a curse if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord. And all this is saying is when you align with these principles that are impersonal and infallible, you, you live the life in flow. And when you turn away from them, you suffer. Right? Ernest Holmes said, we're, we're not punished for our sins. We're punished by them. Right? When we, make the, when we make the decisions to go outside of living a life of purpose and love and joy, then we get what we get, right? But when we align with the power and, and, and presence of spirit and we allow it to flow through us, yes, we are more powerful than we ever give ourselves credit for. And isn't that our fear? Oh, God, I'm so powerful and, I'm, and I can screw up. Oh, no, please. Right? That, that Bible quote is, is referring to that, aligning with truth or going against it. Living, oh, hmm, being seduced by the dark side. All right, who's dressed up as nobody? We have no Darth Vader's here today. <laughs> being seduced by the dark side, being seduced by power, by fame, by wealth. What if it brings me to ruin? What if I forget who I am in spirit? And I become all about the effects. I become all about the material world. What if it brings me to, to absolute ruin? Well, we know in religious science, we get to choose again. We get to choose again. We get to awaken. We get to return like the prodigal sons, don't we? We get to return to a life of truth and love and joy and unity. Ernest Holmes, I love this, in questions and answers, because a lot of times people do ask this question. Is there suffering for lawbreakers? Because <laughs> aren't we interested in that? Sometimes we're like, yeah, my life is here, but you know what? I want to talk about those people. <laughs> is there suffering for lawbreakers? And he says, yes, because any so-called breakers of the law, and he means the law of cause and effect, of course, whether an outer or an inner law, they are sowing destructive seeds, which must sooner or later come back to them. This is according to the spiritual law of cause and effect. It could not be otherwise, so let the spiritual law deal with them. It is not your providence nor mine to condemn or to judge another person. Our attitude toward our fellow human beings should not be condemnation or judgment, but to see the perfect idea resident in them, no matter how grievous the mistake. That's our practice. Wow. <laughs> that is our practice. To see them as a delightful outpicturing of God. To see them as another activity of spirit, just like we are. That is our practice. To see God in everyone. We sing about it, right? I love that song, right? Oh, we're going to sing it at the end today? Yes?
Seeing God in everyone, right? Seeing God in everyone, that is our practice. So to live in the mystery, instead of trying to control everything, to allow spirit to do what it does, and to know what our part is in that. That's sitting in the mystery of life and out of the how. Out of the how. You know, we can think of any number of scenarios, right? <sighs> Regarding challenges in our personal lives. But, but staying open to the possibilities allows spirit to flow into and through your life, changing the conditions around it, regardless of what you think the answer might be. That is the mystery of life, to allow spirit to flow through us and, and to support us and provide answers to challenges maybe we didn't even know we had in the moment. Ernest Holmes said, why do we exist? We exist for the delight of God. What a wonderful thought. He said it was uh, uh, Sri Aurobindo's thought, and he said he loved it, and he, and he uh, agreed with it. We live for the delight of God. I rather like that. Good as it, it's good in a, an explanation as any, isn't it? We live in the mystery of life every day. Every day. Why, why is there a light in the refrigerator but not in the freezer? Mystery of life. Why is, there an internet, uh, why is there an interstate freeway in Hawaii? When does it stop being partly cloudy and start being partly sunny? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Why is bread square and sandwich meat round? Now, if a bunch of cats jump on each other, why is it still called a dog pile? Mm, right? Do you yawn in your sleep? See, these are the kinds of things that keep us up, right? <laughs> Why is the alphabet in that order? Who said so? Mm -hmm. Why is a fat chance and a slim chance the same chance? <laughs> we, can, we contemplate the mysteries of life. And then, of course, the mysteries get a little more, con a little more personal than that, don't they? <clears throat> What's my life about? After we, after we contemplate wh why, the why of life, why is there life? Why is there even life on earth? Why? We get a little more personal with the questions, don't we? What is my life about? Why am I here? What is my purpose? What is the God of my understanding? What is the God of my understanding? We're the only ones that can answer those questions to our own satisfaction. And I would say that you spend time contemplating that. You get to answer the mystery of your own life to your own satisfaction. Ernest Holmes said, let us accept the simple fact with utmost simplicity and let us believe and believe in our hearts that which intellect cannot and need not explain, the mystery of life. For all the rational analysis and all the apparent synthesis of every analysis known to the mind of the human has not and cannot and will not ever explain life. The divine gift is made, and as we awaken to the realization of it, it is ours. It is the only secret of any power we may possess, though in reality, we don't possess it. We possess no power at all. We use it. 
And that's what the science of mind and spirit teaches, right? It teaches us how to use it, how to allow this power and presence to flow through us. We get to answer the mystery of life, your life, to your own satisfaction. And then you get to make it right, don't you? This is what my life is about. And you make that choice, and then you make it right. And then you get to make your God in your own image. Hmm, the God of my understanding is love, and joy, and happiness, and fun, and, and wisdom. You get to have a God of anger, or jealousy, or vengefulness, if you want. I don't think that that's too fun, but you get to choose that. There was a gentleman here years ago. He came in, he was, a, he was not quite a member, and I said, come, we have a lovely community. We're fun, we go deep, we change lives. And he came, and I said, well, give yourself six weeks or eight weeks or something before you make a decision. And he came back, and he, he loved everything we did. He loved the music. He loved, he loved the prayers. He loved the talks. He was here for about six weeks, eight weeks, and he came to me and said, I can't come back. <laughs> I love it. I'll, I'm not coming back anymore. And I went, okay, <laughs> why, right? And he said, there's no guilt. <laughs> he said, there's no guilt. I can't have a religion where I don't feel bad about myself. And I thought, okay, <laughs> bless you on your journey, right? But we have to align with the God that, that we can agree with, that can support us on our spiritual path. Mine is, a, mine is a very happy, loving, delightful, abundant, beautiful spirit. You get to decide why you're here. You get to decide why you're born. You get to decide, and the universe says yes. The universe says yes. Ernest Holmes said, cosmic consciousness is not a mystery. It is the self-knowingness of spirit through the human. That's no mystery at all. Thank you. Thank you for listening. At Vision, a center for spiritual living, we transform lives through practical spirituality. Please donate to Vision by visiting our website, visioncsl.org, or text to 619-505-3359.